Welcome to this episode of Talking Ghana. Talking Ghana is a podcast devoted to the left, right, and center of Ghanaian politics. For each episode, I join my friends Mami, Papa, Nelson, and Oliver to offer our take on the key issues and themes shaping Ghanaian politics. My name is Oting, a shorthand for Kopnau Tinachampo. Many of you will know me as a lawyer and a human rights advocate. To that resume, you may add a development critic. I am very excited and privileged to be one of your co-hosts for this podcast. Thank you for sharing your precious time with us. So welcome everybody to another episode of Talk in Ghana. This is the last episode before election 2020 in Ghana. And so for today, we are going to give some concluding comments on what to expect for election 2020 on Monday and uh, encourage everyone to go out there and vote. And in doing so, take very good care of yourselves in in the midst of COVID. Uh, As usual, uh, we have Oliver, Papa and Nelson, and I am Otain. Thank you very much for joining us. So let's get going, Papa. It's Monday, Um, it's finally here with us. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, you know, our first episode when we were talking about, you know, what what we should be looking out for and what are, you know, kind of factors and things that would determine who would win and so on. And and we are here. Um, this, not, this... not, to, not, to, not to cut you, Papa, it's, it's very interesting what you're saying because we started this uh, series and this podcast thinking about elections and thinking about how things will evolve uh, for election 2020. And interestingly, uh, it things evolved to include other issues of development and, and stuff like that. But all we try to connect everything we have discussed in talking Ghana to elections and how time flies election 2020 is just here with us exactly i remember one of the issues i think nelson was the one who asked in one of those episodes kind of our predictions and i remember saying that i was going to wait for the scandals to come up (laughs) before (laughs) i can i can (laughs) prefer some kind of view on that and 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 this week i've been following a bit of of them, it's you insane, have you know, right? Exactly, exactly. It's very insane. <laughs> Sc- you know, scandals, kind of prolific scandals, the- throw up of sc- exactly of scandals. <laughs> you know, they have um, been. But I think, I mean, t- just in terms of that, you know, I, I think from my own anecdotal polling, <laughs> I think people <laughs> have baked in the corruption for both sides. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think we, we we hinted at that also in our in in that conversation. People have big, big it in, and I think they are looking at then what are the other different differentials or differentiation right. factors mm-hmm. between the two. I'm not sure the corruption will make uh, a big difference in this election. And I'm probably at the place where I'll say, you know, Nana Kofado perhaps still have an has an edge, mm-hmm. um, but I'm just hoping that the NDC would have a good showing so that in the next four years, you know. We will still have a strong opposition to keep the government on its toes. Um, however, uh, badly they have done the job so far. Um, yeah. So let me give everybody an opportunity to, to to go around, and then we can come back to, the, to talk I, I, about I, I, how I, people to conduct themselves and so on. I'll bring Nelson in uh, the last because Nelson has recently written something that uh, maybe he can speak to a little more. Oliver, what do you think? You know, I, was, I, saw, I saw, I think, a post by Franklin Kujo where he was sort of talking about what Papa is talking about as well as to corruption not being, it's like unlikely to be high on, high on people's mind when you're going to be voting. 
And on a, on a funny note, there was something he said that, well, apparently, the, based on their own polling, COVID-19 was high on people's mind. So I was asking, as far as Ghanaian voters are concerned, what about COVID-19? Exactly. That exactly. their government should be funding vaccine <laughs> research. Or what, what exactly are they expecting from on this particular front? But, 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 but Oliver, though, that's, yeah. that's, that's unfair. Because COVID-19, yeah. when it's way back in March... Yeah. Remember, there was there wasn't March or April. There was yeah. some form of lockdown, yeah. and uh, it it uh, it had to be managed in a part uh, carefully. Uh, okay. Eventually, we 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 remove all restrictions uh, a short while later. So. Maybe. It doesn't take away the only it doesn't take away okay. Oliver's question of what is what is it that, that, that is on your mind in respect of COVID-19. You have, you have a very big health facility, a University of Ghana health facility that is dedicated dedicated entirely to COVID matters. So that, that is what, something. That tell is, you what, I, I struggle to believe that if we are saying that Ghanaian voters are uh, are, are less likely to vote on the basis of corruption, which has been so pre- present and dominant in the last run-up to elections, to say that COVID-19, which has been completely absent from the news coverage or any conversations towards the election, would have such a strong presence on the minds of people going into this election. I very much doubt it. Um, you know, that's my general sen- sentiment on the issue. But mm-hmm. on, on, the, on the general point about what I Think Before the general point, do you really okay. do you, do you agree that corruption has been baked in? You know, I, so, this, so this is what I think. I, I, I was telling I was telling someone this morning that in the in the lead up to in the lead up to the last election, corruption was very much the issue, and in this particular one, it, it still is. The difference, however, is the NDC had been in power for eight years, and so people were not necessarily comparing the two. In this election, I've seen that a lot of the people who are speaking up against corruption, even when they do so, they always they end up on the note that well, both the we have we have, we have been dealt with two two rotten apples, so they mm-hmm. are always compare, comparing and contrasting the NDC in a way that it seems that the the corruption tag is not only an MPP problem, but it's also an MPP NDC problem. Unlike in the last election, it's only exclusively seen on people's mind that well, this was Mohammed's it was a Mohammed administration problem. So that's mm-hmm. where I think there's a bit of difference. But well, you can understand that, I guess, why. And I think yeah. you, 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 Oliver, has, you, you, you've made this point before yeah. about the candidate of the NDC. Yeah. And Absolutely. not just the candidate, but also the candidate and his party has been out of power or out of office for only four years. Yeah. And so their record is also very fresh on the minds of Ghanaians to be able to make corruption all about the incumbent government now, Nana and the MPP. It's, that, uh, Mahama, Mahama yeah. and the NDC record is too fresh on Ghan- the minds of Ghanaians. Yeah. And because of that, they are, they are not able to narrow and limit yeah. anything about corruption to only MPP. And tell Nana. you what, tell you what. A lot of the conversations I'm seeing now, if I think the MPP at NDC had been smart to ditch Mahama and present even Jane as the candidate, should have had a stronger showing, in my opinion, than, than Mahama is doing now. I was a bit, I, I don't know, I was, I was a bit hesitant about a VP ship, but from the conversations I've been exposed to, a lot of people who, are vo- who say they're going to be voting for the NDC are saying that they're voting for the prospect of Jane being VP. And if that is to be believed, I do think that Mahama himself is so much of, it's such a terrible choice as a candidate that I don't know what to say, you know. Nelson, do you agree? You just recently, only two days ago, wrote a very wonderful piece. And listeners, if you've not had a chance to read it, you can go to the World Politics Review. He wrote a wonderful piece, why a major corruption scandal probably won't unpaint Ghana's election. Do you... In that piece, you are essentially saying that even with all the allegations and what has been scandalized in the public recently, uh, you don't think that 
it, they will be an important factor for Monday's polls. Why do you say that? And uh, and 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 do you have anything else to say about what to expect for Monday? Yeah, I must say I I agree with uh, the points that have been raised. I I think the uh, the memories of uh, Mohammed's scandals are quite fresh. And uh, another thing that I think the special prosecutor succeeded in doing was to rehash that uh, with the Airbus scandal. Uh, and so, although Mahama was not in government, but um, the, the news around the Airbus saga uh, is such that, you know, it revived the, the memories that people had. Uh, but I must um, push back, though, uh, against Oliver's perspective, I, I think Mahama is still a strong candidate, and um, uh, we we shouldn't underestimate him. I think a lot of factors are going to play out on Monday. Uh, turn out if uh, because there seems to be this complacency in the NPP, they think they are going to win, and if people get the perception that. Uh, this is a done deal and they don't show up considering the fact that the NDC has a core base of voters that they always can rely on. If the NPP voters do not show up uh, on Monday, it could tilt the, the results in a, in a way that we are all not expecting. Uh, but having said that, I think... Um, uh, overall, corruption, I agree that corruption will not be a deciding factor uh, in, 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 on Tuesday, uh, on Monday. I'm expecting the results in on Tuesday. So, uh, but, um, and then, and then... Um, you don't think we'll keep counting no, no. like the US? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Two weeks after, Actually, we'll still be counting. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Nelson, I wanted to react to something quickly before you go on, okay? About about the Muhammad thing, so you can jump in back again. Uh, I know I definitely want you to talk a bit more about this point as well. But mm -hmm. I just wanted to to be to say that I I think if the NDC does end up winning, it is in spite of Muhammad and not because of Muhammad. So I do think the person is is weak, and I've said this in a previous podcast where I said the NDC's ability to mobilize on the ground is so strong that they would be competitive in the election. So I, I still hold that belief that they would make the elections competitive. But I think that they have such a weak candidate that they would have a higher chance of winning this election if they had not presented Mahama. So let, let, me, let me ask you this, Nelson. If what Oliver is saying is, is correct, if NDC is going to win in spite of Mahama and not because of him, will you say it, it will be because of their mobilization capacity or it will be a vote against Nana? Um, a, a bit of both. Uh, but I would say it will be a vote against Nana. And uh, just to... And, and if it will be a vote, if it, if it will be a vote against Nana, what is the reason for it? Will it be just failed promises or... It then ropes him back. That's a very good question. It mm. just it, it ropes him back the corruption issue because when you mm. talk about promises, yeah. key promises seem to be cleaning up, right? Mm. Or, yes, aligning to make sure that Nana should win this election, whether it it is it is free SHS to some degree, the kind of industrialization agenda. All those are lining up to make this election uh, 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 an easy one for, for him. So if Nana is going to lose and you are saying that it will be a vote against him, what will then account for, for that? If, and listeners, all these, we are just, we are just speculating thinking, speculating yeah. so but but you see uh i this week i spoke with a couple of people who are going to vote for ndc for the first time and i asked them why uh one of them said uh she's been voting for mpp and 
she wants a change for the first time. And she said she doesn't have a reason, right? The other said that there the, the seemed to be this attempt to make free SHS the solution for all the problems that uh, Ghana is having. And that actually there are more to governance and more to what he expects the government to deliver. It looks like the NPP has succeeded in creating this um, sense of effectiveness around just a few policy, flagship policies. So free SHS, remember the one district, one factory hasn't really taken off. Up at all, um, yeah. And uh, the one district, one million, one district, one dam, they've, they've all not materialized. The only two key things that have taken off is the free SHS and the planting for food and uh, agriculture uh, program. And so um, there is this sense that other aspects of the economy and particularly uh, employment, mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the things that I think so far the MPP campaign hasn't really touched on. But uh, isn't it because the free SHS and the agricultural agenda have very key and they are big and so if you succeed in that and you can frame your whole electoral campaign around that that's from our very first episode and papa connection that connects and why will you blame mpp for but actually let me jump in here so one of the reasons why even free shs is still on the on the topic as much as it is is because of mahama you have a candidate who was expressly campaigning against free SHS. If the NDC had come up with anybody at all, again, I say this, it wouldn't have got, become the sort of flagship issue that everything we're talking about in this election has become about reduced to free SHS. And, and everything, yeah. and, and, and it looks as if then the education uh, platform has become elevated because uh, it, uh, just a few days ago, it's just no, no merely free SHS. Uh, yeah. how, the, how, how have they called it? They have it. The NDC is... The Faninina. Yeah, Faninina. Yeah, Faninina. They are moving from Jimpe to Yafaninina. I was like, what about Jimmy and Fimi? That's to translate it. We are taking it all. And by that, they mean they are extending the free secondary education to free tertiary education first, and so the first year right it's the first year is that the first that is it's it's, yeah. it's it's the reason why i think if in the unlikely scenario that the ndc wins mm -hmm. it's ba basically not because of anything that they've done because the, i mean the campaign has been chaotic reactive yes you yes. you don't in an election present a manifesto and revise it weeks to an election days just because election. yeah days actually days to an election and then you say oh now we want to change and it's going to be free it mm -hmm. gives you a sense of desperation and as nana has been saying ndc campaign or atonzoom and i agree there's it's falling in water please clarify what atonzoom exactly it's just <laughs> in, in shambles but but the point i'm making is that we have to be very careful Whereas I would argue that in 2016, free SHS was a big thing. Yeah. Because we just needed to break the, um, you know, the issue uh, and actually see how it plays out. People are not going to weigh it as much as they weighed it in 2016, in part right. because there's this general understanding that free SHS is, is here to stay. Right. That then raises the question, what other factors are most important? And I think that from just my small sample of two people who are swinging, and these are really hardcore NDC, uh, MPP uh, voters who I know very well, um, it looks like they just want something different from... Yeah. Just the free SHS, you know, and 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 for me, I'm not. I'm not. Let me catch uh, you. I'll because, come to you. No, 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 let me just cut on this. Let me jump on this quickly because I will 
it's not that they are just swinging. They are voting against something. And it goes right. back to Atin's question about what will that be? Yeah. Nana Kufado has not been a very popular, electorally popular candidate within the NPP itself right. and also nationally. Yeah. And if you see how he ran his 2016 campaign, going everywhere, literally begging to be given a, an opportunity to be tried. Yeah. It if it turns out that he doesn't make the cut again, you know, as in again because of the runoff situation in 2008. Yeah. Please help me. Yeah. Then it's back to his personality and the fact that perhaps over the last four years and especially the last two weeks, all the corruption allegations and the the perception of kind of authoritarianism Hmm. in his personality, not the party or the governance, you know, the government in his personality has whittled away the little uh, the numbers he had to carry him over the line in the last election. Papa, so perhaps you, that's, that's you have, more likely to be it. You have also been collecting some anecdotal evidence Please, yes, talking, talking to some very young uh, people who are going to the polls. Yes. And they seem to also be suggesting that in spite of all that, yes. uh, Nanes and the MPP's agenda it's a better platform. A better exactly. So, so exactly. So let me let me speak to that. And that is why I, you know, I said in my intro that based on my own anecdotal kind of polling, I think the NPP would would win. But I'm praying that the NDC will have a strong showing. And and it it, it is because these young people I spoke to were saying that they were appalled with the corruption, but speaking from both an economics and finance perspective and um, education and also just normal, you know, office work perspective that the NPP appears to be managing the economy better than the, the, than the NDC did. And that it appears even with COVID that the prospects for growing the economy and growing businesses and potentially that they would have jobs and so on is looks brighter. The, the horizon looks brighter than if they bring John Mahama back. So this is this is exactly how you know the, the, the thing was John Mahama back. You know, so for them, they will vote for the they will reluctantly, and this is another word they use, they will reluctantly vote for the NPP because of the prospects they see with the economy and in spite of their 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 you know uh, condemnation uh, or, uh, on the corruption issues Nelson complete your thoughts there you were talking about if anybody if people are going to vote against nana it will be more on the basis of the education thing it will be more of what additional thing what new thing or other than free HHS, free SHS, which everyone has accepted, there's wide consensus that it's come to stay. What new thing will be on that educational platform? Can you complete Exactly. And I think that both candidates have failed to articulate a very clear vision of how the next four years is going to be like, right? So whereas it's all been about free SHS, um, as I was saying, free SHS is already has already been rolled out. Um, I think Mahama didn't do a good work or hasn't done any good work in setting out an alternative vision from what he delivered. The MPP has also not done a very good job of, you know, articulating anything further what is going to be nana's second term agenda it hasn't been very clear Uh, and so the point i'm making is that yes free shs is very popular and people really love the mpp and i think it's going to be a very significant factor 
but from the little polling that I did, people are asking, what about jobs? What about, um, you know, uh, other sectors of the economy? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that is where both campaigns could have done better. I think the, if you look at the NDC manifesto, uh, they talk about this big push agenda, um, which revolves around a series of promises, you know, infrastructure uh, and other stuff. Um, they haven't been very clear um, as to what they that, that means. And actually, people don't believe that Mahama is capable of delivering those things. Um, but the point I'm making is that I agree, Papa, you know, and as everybody said, and I indicated in my article, I think this is Ekufuado's election to lose. He, the MPP is going to win. Um, but is it his election to lose? Saying it is his election to lose is different from saying with all the certainty I can hear, I can hear from your voice, I can sense from your voice that he's going to win. Yeah, he's going to win. I, that I'm very sure. Mm. But, um, I, I also often make prediction as a social scientist, putting in the space for his his agent is bet. His agent is bet. You know, (laughs) the, 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 uh, That's a challenge in social science, right? This prophet who predicted the Kufa is going to win this week said, God has shown him something that he doesn't like. Which prophet is that? Uh, (laughs) Essentially, the guy is saying, Oh, he says that God has showed him something else. Yeah, that he doesn't like. He didn't say it, but of course, you know what the guy is doing. So that, that's, in a sense, that's what I'm doing. Um, a lot of, because I think there's, because there's this sense that the MPP is going to win. If they are not careful, that could affect turnout. And the NPP, in spite of all the certainty of their victory, would still need to make sure that their voters turn out. Mm-hmm. If the opposition appears to be more energized and they show up, mm-hmm. that could tilt the verdict. You yeah. know. Yeah, but but so, that comes back, Oliver. I'm coming yeah. to you. That comes back to your initial point about what Mr. Franklin Kujo of Imani said. Even though if, if you are right, COVID itself substantively will not be on the minds of Ghanaians. I remember from the very first episode, you did not think that people turned out massively for the registration uh, in spite of COVID. You, in relation to COVID, you, you, you thought that it was not so much in spite of COVID turnout, but it was a turnout to procure a form of identification. That was the major driving force. And so if you were right that, look, COVID was not a a, a, a key factor. Having procured their form of identification, COVID could become a factor in in turnout because people then are not going to, oh, let me stay home and stay safe rather than turning out for elections. And also COVID in COVID in a in a different way has affected the manner in which we have conventionally campaigned. You have not seen the massive, massive rallies which end up driving the news cycle for a while, for which reason some of these framings and that we, we are talking about would have been in the news. So COVID really indeed has affected, uh, will, will become important factor going into the election. It may not be substantive, but as a reason for a low turnout, as a reason for uh, poor campaigning. And then when you tie to the death of Jerry, uh, Jerry John Rawlings, just a few, a few weeks ago, which also then 
suspended elections from all parties and all angles. That's how do you think that that will be factored in going into to Monday? Let, 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 let me start first from the Jerry point. Uh, it reminds me of something that was said in Hotel Rwanda, the movie, where somebody had, I think, had asked the journalist, how can American audiences look at all this violence and just turn away? And the person had said, well, they, I mean, they'll see it on their news during dinner and then say, oh, that's very sad, and then move on. And it seemed to me that was what has happened with the Jerry situation. I do not think, even though people thought about it, that, oh, Jerry died from COVID, it did not change attitudes. I mean, I think that the sensibility around COVID-19 and the way in which people are worried about it, generally in, in the West, is that consciousness is absent in Ghana. Uh, and and I, I mean, I, I was, I was giving an example. I wasn't in Ghana, I was in, I was in, I was in Sierra Leone for a couple of days. And it seemed weird to people. A lot of spaces in which I was, I was the only person wearing a mask. And so many of the distances I've seen in Ghana as well, it seems to be the same thing. So I do not necessarily think COVID has, has been a factor in the way in which people are conducting themselves or how they're going to conduct themselves going forward. One of the reasons why people, politicians have been cautious in their campaigning methodology is, one, I, I, I know that at the highest levels, some of them were worried that, well, what happens if a candidate dies? And so we need to be very cautious about that. And I also think that they were also worried about optics, at, the, at least for the, for the parties. And that's the reason why they were not holding the rallies as they were. But in terms of voter consciousness, I do not think that it would very much affect the way in which people, people conduct themselves towards the election, whether they show up at the polls or otherwise. And plus, COVID-19 is a, is a, is a middle-class problem, to be honest. And so a lot of people within the rural settings of, of, of Ghana are still going to show up at the polls, ir irrespective of, of whether or not you say COVID is going to be a big deal on the agenda or it's, going to, it's not going to be. But before I pivot and allow you to, to, to sort of follow up on this, there's something I wanted to raise about are related to the question of voter turnout. So we do know that from year to year, there's, there's always been an incumbency tax. That the government going into an election would have people, its main supporters or backers, be apathetic towards the going into the election and whether they will show up or not. Now, there's something somebody told me that, that pricked my thinking in a way that Nana won with almost a million votes. Now, presuming that all those that voted the NDC the last time are still going to show up and vote for him, let's just presume that for a second. And that the, the likelihood of people not showing up at the polls are not going to be NDC voters or core NDC voters, but it's more likely to be MPP voters not showing up. Now, let's think within that broader one million class of people who were floating voters and ended up voting for Mahama, uh, for, for Nanado, whether or not that, those people are still going to show up for, for Nanado. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. So when you take all this into account, even if Nanado wins, it's going to be by a very, very slim margin. And I, I doubt very much we're going to see the numbers we saw in the last election. But, but one, one thing you haven't factored in the equation is the new voters, right? Those who were not 18 in, in 2016, and remember the registration was tailored to that group uh, yeah. with secondary schools. And with this expectation that free SHS will make them vote for the MPP. So that one million won't, yeah. you shouldn't hold that in, uh, uh, in, in, as a constant. Hey, but my, I just my general to... sentiment is eh, that new voters tend to vote opposition than government. Well, we we just have to see. Unfortunately, we but I do think that in this in this particular election, I agree that free SHS could goodness. be playing on their minds. I do know that one of my one of the new voters is my own younger brother who is going into the polls for the first time, and I had a sort of just a conversation with him about what he was thinking. And he's he's usually a fool, so I don't think I don't take him seriously <laughs> on anything, and not even on this. But for him, it seemed to be a bit more dismissive. Of, of of that, being in the university, he thought that, well, he thought an idea of extending any free policy into the university would be much more interesting to him than it would be for the SS. So I don't know whether that would play in, but I mean, again, I said, his word is not but where I come. I, I just wanted to push uh, back Oliver's on... Oliver's younger brother, wherever you are, you have to take your <laughs> big brother on for... 
referring to you in such derogatory. He's a silly but, fool. I, he but knows the, the, no, I, um, let me just make a quick point and push back against this idea that COVID wouldn't play in a significant role. I think it's actually one, if, if, if it's going to play a role, and I think it will, uh, the NPP will again benefit because if you look at some of the publications and campaigns, um, slogans and the banners that are going out, a lot of the things that the MPP is pivoting their campaign on is also based on reliefs that only took place as a result of COVID. Remember when they locked down they they um they provided free electricity free water uh, and that has become part of this campaign you, i don't know if you've seen this viral video of this npp supporter who was bathing outside uh to show that npp has given them free water um and then uh, even more so the small uh, and medium scale grant that they are giving out uh, which started a few weeks ago is being rolled out uh, to induce a certain outcome in this election and so i think COVID, COVID definitely uh, will play a role especially because we see you know when you think of COVID as a public health issue then it's a middle class upper class problem but when you think of COVID as uh, a political issue that is tied to state welfare, which is what Ecuador has been building, this free SHS, free uh, teaching allowance, free stuff that government is given. So this sense of a generous pre uh, government headed by an empathetic president uh, is bolstered even more strongly with COVID. Um, and and um, I think whoever advised the the president uh, to the, the the way he has actually used COVID, I mean, as unfortunate as COVID has been, I think they've really used it very well. The speeches, it's raised his profile, but in terms of those mitigating policies, mm -hmm. uh, that has also reinforced all the things that we say about free SHS. And, and in that sense, I will refer Papa to one thing he said, that the NDC failed to use the opportunity that COVID, you know, to really reinforce their social democratic uh, agenda. It's, it's not just promising big things as the NPPs do, uh, NDC has done. It's about targeted reliefs that resonate with people uh, and i think that's where they have really failed in that sense they've been catching up with the mpp you know right from 2016. okay um, that's interesting let papa let me bring you in on another episode we had uh, previously and we we briefly talk about the electoral commission at this point in time, Electoral Commission is probably the most important public institution in Ghana. Uh, what do you expect to be, how have they prepared so far their performance in terms of preparation towards this election? And uh, Ms. G. Mensa has promised that within 24 hours, Ghana's election results are going to be known. Uh, can you just yeah, I mean, please? if anything, if anything, um, uh, if the 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 uh, special election is anything to go by, we expect you know, like in 2016, that the operation will go well. So, hmm. rolling out the ballot paper, setting up you know, the stations, you know, over uh, overnight or in the night before. And, you know, so all those processes would go well. I, I also hope that their IT systems, you know, and those kinds of things will go well. Um, so I'm not expecting, you know, some disaster or some big failures or anything like that. I, I think We've, we've been doing this for a while and hopefully we should have built the capacity 
within the EC in terms of you know the technical bit, you know, to to do this. The tricky bit is when the votes have come in and how whether they can quickly you know count them, tally them, and announce them in reasonable regular order uh, so that she will meet her you know her her target of announcing the results in 24 hours. So I think for me that will be that will be the test. I, I think you, you have Nelson, you have always been very interested in the electoral commission. So yeah, no, I I think uh, uh, like Papa, I'm also confident in the capacity of the EC. Um, we tend to put too much emphasis on who occupies the chair, uh, but in as an institution uh, that is made up of various officers and presiding officers and the manner in which um, Ghanaians broadly approach voting. Uh, I think that we have done it and perfected it. Um, and if there is any problem, it comes from the chest of the EC. And I think this promise to deliver, return results in 24 hours is a pressure that is unwarranted. What Ghanaians want is not speed. We want uh, to have an effective election. We want to make sure that everybody has the right to to vote and will be given that opportunity. We want to make sure that counting is done uh, in a way that ensures that every legal vote that cast is counted. Oh, there is the concept of legal and, vote in Ghana. And uh, once we do all that, uh, you can trust the voting to go smoothly. Um, in, in that respect, in that respect, I guess then the problem in maybe less of the chair and more of a certain trust by the political parties in the system. The exactly. trust that the political parties will have in the system for the system to work will be very key. I think the Ghana system is has built in it the the opportunity for that trust to be there because all the parties at least all those who can afford to be there will be there um, yes but you and you, they you... will see, they will oversee the country i mean i have a friend who 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 is um an ndc polling agent and he he they, they sit in the room and see the vote counted one two three until the end if somebody has a problem they recount it Exactly. You know, and, 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 and it's outside. counted in public. Precisely. So we don't in use terms machines. That, exactly. You know. You know. And we don't suck people from the room. We don't suck people from any room. It's outside. Everybody can can see. You know. We don't give people six six. Like, six, like six. President Trump will say. I'm not. Who am I to say? Paper. Paper. <laughs> it's not. It's not electronic. Paper. And know? and we counting is feely feely. <laughs> Feely, feely, for listeners, is it's is is for real. Uh, people will gather around the uh, polling agents and the election officials, and they will be counting one, two, three. They'll be separating the ballots and counting one, two, three until whoever wins the results are declared by the presiding officer. But the point that I'm trying to make, and Oliver, you 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 could speak to it, is the tendency for party officials at a national level, constituency level, regional level, to be kind of tussling with electoral results and elect, electoral election officials and making comments that then become fees a certain news cycle and, 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 and feeds a certain form of agitation. I guess that's what I'm asking. And 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 and, and uh, uh, saying that is where I think the problem is. So uh, I can see two hot uh, flashpoints. One is what you've just said. You know, in terms of uh, the way the parties themselves, they are they are activists. The way you know misinformation. Some people say disinformation, uh, and all those things. That is a that is a big problem. The other one is, and this is taking me back to 20, uh, the 2012 election, when we tried um, 
biometric, you know, when those biometric machines, uh, you know, failed. Uh, and so one of the problems that we've had are a few people who have complained that they have ID cards, but when they showed up at the, um, uh, at the electoral commission to check, their names were not on the register, although they had, you know, they had a, a, an ID. And so we, we could have those problems, uh, especially with the voting process. But I'm, I'm having seen what I've just witnessed in the United States. I am 250% certain that our electoral commission will deliver and our electoral institutions would meet the challenge that um, uh, we will face in terms of voting on December 7th. I have no doubt in my mind. And people will always put those, you know, this information campaigns in context. They will know that this is being done um, by political parties. And Ghanaians have also come to accept that politicians will always be politicians, you know. Um, but, but but Nelson, I am I am I am I am more concerned about the narrow, you may call it narrow effect, but whatever it is, it is an effect that such pronouncements by party officials can lead to. For instance, if you take the Ayawaso incidents, which became within uh, evolve into a commission looking into these things. Yes. Was simply party official making some pronouncement, then you see a move of security and national security officials going into places to go and then purportedly stop a certain attempt to rig elections and all that. It's all the party official. I, then I, I agree. I agree. If, these, if these, it then feeds into that unrest in in certain constituencies and certain polling stations. That's what I am concerned about. No, and no. That, that, that then, yeah. I'm then, also, I'm also that then ties in with all the all the pronouncements made by uh, civil society about a peaceful elections and stuff like that. Any of no, I, I agree, and 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 I think that we we uh, have to separate that. Uh, I mean, I would still stand by the problems that we will face on December seven, and we hope there wouldn't be any problem. Uh, is not going to come from the EC. I think the point that you made about the Ayawaso West Wagon, if if we are going to get anything, even half of what we witnessed during that by-election, that is going to create a big problem. And remember, the Ayawaso West Wagon wasn't the Electoral Commission. It was just, I, I don't even see them as, you know, security service. They just look like a paramilitary force that just emerged to beat up people and cause disruption and i remember one of the videos the guy said this is a preparation for 2020 uc uh, and i i think that that responsibility i wouldn't call it a responsibility that lies in the political parties the president on december 7 we will still have a president who is the commander-in-chief of the armed forces, he has a responsibility as the president, not just as a candidate, but as a president and a person who commands the security services to make sure that the security services do not become the problem. Their responsibility is to protect the integrity uh, and rights of Ghanaians to vote, if we see anything close to what we got in Ayawaso West Wagon, that is going to be a problem. But I will still say that when it comes to the Electoral Commission, when it comes to the capacity of the electoral institutions, and when it comes to the processes that we have laid out to ensure the integrity of our elections, I have no doubt that it's going to be a very successful election. 
your vote of confidence is very key. And, and I hope that uh, everyone listening to this episode will also replicate that vote of confidence in the Electoral Commission and have that trust in the Electoral Commission to deliver. But Papa and Oliver, in, 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 that sense, in that sense, will you say our security agencies are ready and prepared enough to be able to forestall any such episode of Ayawasu West Wagon? There was a report that was released. To what extent will you say that the security agencies would have learned from the lessons of Ayawasu West Wagon and other incidents in the past and prepare themselves to forestall any such episodes? See, the way you pose the question suggests as if it's an external issue they have to deal with. I think the problem is going to come from the security forces themselves, just as it was the case in Ayawasu World. So what World. should they do? To so, so this is my, that's the thing. I, I do generally think that, and I and I agree with Nelson that as far as the, the electoral commission itself is concerned, I think that the problems you're going to see are going to be very few. There are going to be few failures at the polling station. Absolutely. Those are, but they're not going to be so widespread that they'll compromise the elections. I do not necessarily trust that this president is, would be fair to the process. And I've always said, generally across board for all our, all our stakeholders, that we have entrusted democracy to non-democrats. And if Ayawasu West Wagon was anything to go by, I do think that they would use every means possible to secure any electoral advantage that they can. I generally believe that all the political parties that we have on our system, it's not a question about trust the electoral commission, but they themselves will go ahead to try to, to, to compromise the process in a way they can. And I, and, I, and I think that that fear is a continuing fear that we'll see. So when you say, what can the, electoral, the, the security services themselves do? Well, if you have like, notice that you have a commander in chief himself, where there seems to be a, a shadow mandate from the, from the highest level, then they're gonna do this. And I think that if anything goes wrong, then the box does in fact stop at the presidency itself. But Papa, and, I, and I generally believe this. But Papa, the but, system will have to work. And so, the IGP yeah. and the, and his lieutenants will have to be beyond that, beyond what Mr. Kofubuashi uh, uh, previously said, describe as coming from the parties and stuff like that. They have to be beyond that because these, this is something that we have talked about. Sometimes it's some paramilitary system that emerges from nowhere. So the police service will have to be up and beyond that and be ready to address any such issue. And they don't emerge from nowhere though. Let's be clear. They're not emerging from nowhere. There are a lot of the people who were behind incidences of violence were people who apparently were affiliated with national security. It's, it's a These, certain self-styled so, national security. No, no it's not self-styled. It's not self-styled. Mm. Yeah. So not self-styled people. Let's lay the responsibility where it lies. I think that the, the, the security of our elections lies square on the government and that they have to protect the elections. I genuinely believe that. There are no other groups that can act you said so in other ways in in other ways in other ways yeah whatever you call in national security all right at the end of the day the police have to be the most visible it is the police we relate to and not some national security that is clothed in civilian clothing and will emerge and do other things we have to relate to the police so they the question yes. is whether or not who has the mandate to securitize the elections as we have in Ghana. That responsibility does not fall with the police. It falls with the Ministry of Interior. Look, I, when it comes to the election, the, the police do not have the last say on this. Let me let Papa jump in here. Yeah. But I have other points since, to make, but I want Papa to come in. No, just quickly. Since 2000, mm -hmm. I have followed, you know, just, you know, as an observer, you know, as a keen political animal, I have followed the elections and I've seen this close your keen political animalness. No, here. no, no. You've no, got to I, disclose it no, as, no, no. as a union leader. So and, and I have seen a decline in the in vigilantism since 2000. Mm. 2016 was you know kind of the prime of that, where we had very, very little 
incidents of that. And I agree in, in, in about... COVID in COVID terms, that, that was the second wave. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, and I, and I agree about the concerns Ayawasu raises, but my, um, I, I put my, my faith, if there's any, is in vigilance of the media, vigilance of social institutions, which, which you know, and what, and what has become the peace industry and, you know, and, um, you know, churches, mosques and so on, everybody to cry out against people who are perpetrating violence on the day. Because I agree with Oliver, politicians have shown since 2000 that they have a vested interest in, cre in creating chaos through violence in the election. The, 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 the source of escape for us has been that we all, we all come out on the day and we talk about this, we bash them in the media. The media exposes this thing and try to find some, some kind of quick resolution within moments of when an incident occurs, who is right, who is wrong, and, 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 and what the issues were about. And I think that is something that must continue. And we, and we must have the, 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 the Peace Council and all those other bodies you know, who do this kind of peace. As you call it, the peace, peace industry. industry. Exactly. <laughs> Should be up and doing. You have... You have civil society organizations, um, CDD and co have tremendously Yo. contributed to to the to the peace effort, you know, over the years. And I believe they will continue to do that. Um, Codio has been tremendous in providing local, um, uh, what's it called? Monitors. Moni monitoring of the process. And the TUC has been part of the Codio monitoring process for, for years. So I think for me, these are the institutions I hope will be the eyes and ears of Ghanaians. They will be they will provide the witness that we need to shame and potentially whenever whenever we get the chronicle, you know, those who perpetrate violence for for potential prosecution or or public shaming and so on. Of course, the leadership, the political parties must do their bit. The president and the opposition ca uh, candidate must also you know, do their bit. But yeah, that's, that's and, and, and just just to add to that. Um, this week, uh, President uh, uh, Nana Kufuado and ex-President Mahama signed a declaration that they will commit to peace. Um, it's something that um, I have a problem with because I think it creates this sense of chaos and all that. But I think it's an important signal that if anybody is thinking of committing violence just know that the people that you are going to in whose name you'll be committing the violence have made a commitment that they will not back you and so you are going to be on your own but having said that i think that uh i i really want to be an optimist in this instance and trust the leadership of both President Mahama and President Kufuado, that they will not just go and sit somewhere and sign when they know that they really have plans to cause mayhem. And, and so I'm just going to recruit the very people and you actually are recruit the very to. And, and but then I want to just make a direct appeal to the president because on December 7, we will have a president who will be the commander-in-chief of the security forces and um, all in charge of national security. Yes, we have a ministry, we have a minister, but the constitution is very clear as to who is in charge, and that is the president. And on December 7, we are going to have a president. I just expect the president to make sure that the average Ghanaian voter is able to exercise that right without any fear of intimidation, without any fear of harm. And the president has to personally guarantee that because that is his responsibility. Whether he wins or not, it still doesn't change the fact that on December 7 and until the next 
swearing in. He's going to be the president. And I trust him, but I also urge him to make sure that we do not see anything close to what we got in Ayahuasca's work. So let me put everybody in the spot. That is a good point when this episode, but let me put everybody on the spot and go around. Who is winning? Oliver. <laughs> I just had a large laugh. <laughs> no, tell you what. Personally, in this whole election, I've been campaigning for people to not to vote. I think the right not to exercise your franchise is as democratic as going to the polls itself. The right not to back. exercise a franchise is yes. very undemocratic. Go no, in exercise it is as your... democratic. No, I think don't dilute my, my perspective on this. I do think that the right not to exercise your franchise is as democratic as going to the polls. Everybody has the right to decide and look at the platforms and decide that I do not want to participate. I don't want to participate in this. Because I do think that not showing up to the polls also sends a message to the political elite. Now, generally, though, if you're showing up at the polls, I would urge you to consider the benefits of 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 of, of uh, skirt and blouse voting because I think it's a, it's likely to enrich our, our our politics. What is skirt and what is skirt and voting for vo voting for a president of a different political party and a parliamentary candidate from a different political party, and and vote for any female that is presented on the ballot. We have fifty two percent female voters on our electoral. Uh, on the register, and we have very few women candidates in the polls. So if you're still going to express your franchise, please consider and, and think about critically about what it means for the consolidation of our democracy generally. Those are my, my thoughts. My point is that turn out massively if you don't want any of the two biggest political parties, let that reflect in the voting so that this election can go into a runoff and the smaller parties will be the power brokers in whoever becomes the election. Go out and vote against the and let the smaller parties and independent candidate become the power brokers in who eventually wins the election. I still think that uh, there is no Ghanaian elections going forward that, including Mondays, that will be a clear-cut win for anybody. It's going to be close. So go and vote for any of the smaller independent, uh, smaller parties or independent candidates and let us go into a runoff and let those smaller parties determine who becomes the eventual winner. Papa. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Uh, social distance, cast your vote, go home, come back in the evening and witness the counting. That is very important and it goes, it goes particularly also to the Electoral Commission to make sure that social distancing and all the protocols to fight against COVID are observed. Uh, I, it is my hope that they will have all the sanitizers and everything uh, ready to clean the uh, machines that they are using and everything. Last word, Nelson. Um, uh, I would say that um, as a Ghanaian, uh, it, one of the things that make me makes me very proud every day when I walk around is is the fact that people respect Ghanaian the the Ghanaian temperament. Uh, we are always seen as very gentle, very peaceful, but also uh, we speak our mind. And I think the thing that epitomizes the Ghanaian culture is the way we show up every four years to vote and express our, our views the way we do every time. And so, yes, I agree, as controversial as uh, Oliver's point is, if you think you don't want to vote, that is your right. But if you have decided to do that, just know that we have a very strong electoral system that has shown itself over the past years to be credible. And so I want you to trust the system, go and exercise your vote, uh, and uh, just ensure that you are vigilant, but make sure that at least you keep your trust in the system and i trust 
uh, Ghanaians to deliver once again a very successful election that will take our journey towards a perfect democracy uh, a bit a bit further. So that's my last so, word. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, we are planning very hard and putting things in place to bring you a very special episode uh, on Monday to do some kind of election watch. Uh, if everything goes through, we will see. We will be with you on Monday. But if not, we will definitely be with you soon afterwards so that uh, we can all think through what happened. Thank you very much. Can, can, can I just there. say something? Go. Can I say something? Just a quick yes. one. Yes, go. So on. listeners would have realized that the quality of our podcast is much better uh, and the editing is much better. And it's because Oliver has been doing such a tremendous work. Oliver the champion. Oliver the champion. So, so Oliver, thanks, thanks for all the effort the time this, it, and everything it, it, he, he, he's the brain that, he's the brain behind that, everything we are yes now pushing the, the blame of when people say that these people have terrible editing <laughs> so now we're pointing the fingers at me or perhaps he's <laughs> putting the, the he, he's no, that, yeah he's all, that was that all of us putting, but but this is you uh, <laughs> the, 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 the previous you. one He's no, putting but, the pressure no, but, on that this I, particular episode should be uploaded immediately. So no, no, no. But, but it, no, it would, in spite of all that, uh, I try to edit the initial ones. It takes a lot of time. I just want want us on record <laughs> to, to thank uh, Yeah, Ali. you are right. So uh, go out there and vote. It's a learning curve. We will be with you again very soon to discuss the post-election matters. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ciao. Ciao.